this week on Moms Moving On. You do see people who can't agree, and you do see some of the same issues that come up over and over and over again. After you get divorced, things change. Your lifestyle changes. Some things are unavoidable. There may be a new spouse. That new spouse may throw your co-parenting dynamic into a tizzy. Now maybe there's someone who has something to say about everything that's going on in your home, or you have someone else disciplining your child, and there's a reaction to that. You do not have to get into the ring every time someone wants to box, or you don't have to fight every battle you are invited to. This is why he's the yin to my yang, because I would fight every battle I'm invited right. to. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. And we're back with another episode of Moms Moving On. Thank you to all of you who listened to my episode with Real Housewives of New York City's Leah McSweeney, aka Leah Mob on Instagram. I mean, if that wasn't a dose of realness when it comes to co-parenting, nothing is. But speaking of real, I have somebody on today who is real amazing, real smart, and really the expert. My husband the Honorable Spencer Jet Moltak, uh, Miami Family Court Judge, and the love of my life. Thank you for being here, Spence. Thank you for inviting me, Michelle. Oh, it's my pleasure. I am, I am honored to be here and part of this. He's not being sarcastic, promise. We know you're a judge, but how did you get here to this point, to family court? Give us the rundown. I'll make it short and sweet because there's much more important things to talk about than me. But I've been a judge since 2011, so been on the bench for nine years, and my current assignment is in family court, where I'm a family court judge. For about three years prior to this, I served in domestic violence court, I served in the civil division, I've served in just about every division um, you can as a judge, but I'm really enjoying my current assignment in family court, where I think I can do a whole lot of good and help a whole lot of people through a difficult process. That's exactly it. It's a difficult process. And a lot of times you'll hear people say, oh, I hope I get a judge who understands. I'm not just saying it to say it. This is the guy who really looks at each side of the coin and really takes everything into account, which is what, you know, makes the people who come in front of him so lucky. But there are some of us who are not so lucky in the divorce process. And I can raise my hand and say I'm one of those people because there was so much I didn't think about when I was putting together my parenting plan. There were things I didn't know to ask for. There were things I didn't know would come up later on down the road. And this is something that Spencer can really help us with. Do you want to give us your take on putting together the parenting plan? What do you see come up? Like what, what is the stuff that you want people to know ahead of time? All right. So let's start from the beginning. What is a parenting plan? Um, if you don't know, it's a written document. It's pretty much a contract on how you and your ex-spouse are going to co-parent your child. Now, it's different in every state, and I'm in Florida, and so I can talk about Florida law. And I'm definitely not giving advice. I'm just telling you what you should be looking out for. The first part of parenting really is the decision-making. And in many states, like in Florida, there is a presumption that both parents are going to make the decisions together. 
So it's joint decision-making, shared parental responsibility is what it's called. And what that means is that you and your ex-spouse are going to have to sit down and agree on things such as what camp is your child going to go to? What school are they going to go to? If there's a medical procedure, are they going to have the medical procedure from the doctor you like or from the doctor your ex-spouse likes? And you're going to be expected to figure this out with your ex-spouse. Now, if you and your ex-spouse or ex-partner can't figure out who's going to make the decisions or you feel as though that you may be better at making certain decisions than your ex-spouse, that can go in front of a judge, someone like me, who will listen to you and listen to your ex-spouse and make a determination what's in the best interest for the child as to who may make a particular decision. In Florida, what we look at is if there's a detriment to one person making a decision versus the other person making the decision. So the first thing really is decision-making. Who is going to make the decisions? Can you do it together? Or do you believe that you should be making all the decisions versus the other parent not making any decisions? So for example, one thing I have in my parenting plan is when it comes to any medical needs that Bella may have, if I have to take her to the doctor and she needs a shot, you have to think about, do I need to have to legally call my ex-spouse and have him approve of this immunization or, I don't know, boo-boo fix, because that will come up. If you don't have that planned out ahead of time, you may not know that you are legally required to get approval or make the decision together for something to happen. Typically, when it comes to certain decisions like emergencies, inside of the parenting plan, there will be paragraphs or clauses that will permit the parent who has the child for time sharing to make decisions in under certain circumstances, such as emergencies. No one logically thinks that under, in an emergency situation, you're expected to wait for an answer from your ex-partner or your ex-spouse as to what you should do. But these are all things that go into drafting a parenting plan. Let me talk to you a little bit about that. Some partners can sit down together and write out a parenting plan. Some can do that. Many of us cannot. Many cannot. And this is what needs to happen. First of all, you need to know the law as to what is in a parenting plan. So whatever state you're in, there's going to be a statute on what goes into a parenting plan. And that is, like I said, decision-making. It's time-sharing. It's holidays. It's the first right of refusal. Can you talk about the first right of refusal? This was something I didn't know either. Very important information. And I know many of you have reached out and said, oh my God, my ex is going crazy because it's my night and I got a babysitter. All right. So the first right of refusal is in the circumstance that it is your night for timesharing However, you have something to do that's going to take you away from the child. Instead of calling a babysitter, your spouse has the first right of refusal, meaning your spouse or ex-spouse has to be offered that time-sharing night before anybody else is offered that time-sharing night. Now, again, this is all drafted into a parenting plan. So you may have 
a series of hours. If it's eight hours alone, then there's a first right of refusal. If it's an overnight, then it's the first right of refusal. This all goes into your parenting plan and you can tailor it to whatever it is that is, you know, customized to your child's needs. So, and to your lifestyle, if you know that, you know, let's say you have this really great social life and you are just starting to date and you're going to want to go out on the weekends at night once your child is asleep and is in your care, you're going to have to really consider and have this conversation with your soon to be ex spouse. How are we going to handle this when I'm out on the weekends when our child is home with me? And you don't want to overlook this because it can be thrown in your face so easily later on down the road. It's really important. You can try and sit down with your ex-spouse and draft one of these out. You probably need a lawyer or someone who knows the law in your state to take you through the statute on what is necessary for a parenting plan. Overnights, holidays, time sharing, child support, decision making. If you can't do it together, you can go to a mediator. And a mediator is a third party who's a neutral. Many times they are, they are former judges. They don't have to be. And they can listen to both sides and help you draft one together. If you can't agree with the mediator, if that doesn't work, then you can go to trial. And many times I have cases or trials where the parents can't agree on time sharing. They can't agree on decision making. And so I will sit and listen to the testimony and the evidence that both sides present and make a determination what's in the best interest of the child. Now, in Florida, there are actually statutory factors. There are certain laws that I must consider every time I'm putting together a parenting plan. So it's not necessarily a subjective exercise that I do, but it's objective. I go through a list and I look at each item on the list and make a determination based upon what I have heard what's in the best interest of the child. So for example, let's say you have two parents, right? The mom lives within walking distance of the child's school. The father lives a few towns away. The mom is concerned about getting the child to school on time. Uh, the dad has a job that starts, let's say, at the same time school starts. Would you take this into consideration when making the parenting plan? Sure, you take it all into consideration. Um, you take into consideration whether you want the children waking up two or three hours early to get to school, whether they can handle it, how that balances into their relationship with the father. Uh, so you take all of these things into consideration. Let me just read to you a few things. So you, so you know, as you're going in front of a judge, what the judge is looking at. For example, what's the demonstrated capacity and disposition of each parent to determine, consider, and act upon the needs of the child? What's the length of time the child has lived in a stable, satisfactory environment? What's the geographic viability of the parenting plan with special attention paid to the needs of school-aged children and the amount of time to be spent traveling to effectuate the parenting plan? Okay, good. And so in, in not legal jargon, can you break it down for us? How well do the children get along with the parent? How far away is the school? How long has the child lived with the specific parent? Is the parent a good dude, right? What's the moral fitness of the parent? Does the parent have any mental or physical disabilities? 
Was there domestic violence in this relationship? So the list goes on and on. And I look at every single one of these factors when I'm making a determination how to divvy up parental responsibility. That's really interesting because, you know, when I got divorced, I I went to my lawyer. We did what I told what she told me to do. I went in front of a judge and the judge sealed my sign, sealed, delivered my file and I was divorced. I didn't realize how much the judge really took into account all of these factors. That being said, my ex and I didn't go to trial. But you do see people who can't agree and you do see some of the same issues that come up over and over and over again. What are these issues? So for anybody listening, it's almost like what not to do or what to try and avoid before you get to that point. So listen, I mean, after you get divorced, things change. Your lifestyle changes and some things are unavoidable. There may be a new spouse that new spouse may throw your co-parenting dynamic into a tizzy. Now, maybe there's someone who has something to say about everything that's going on in your home, or you have someone else disciplining your child, and there's a reaction to that. Those things get taken into consideration. What if you have a job and you lose your job? What if you have to move? What if you can't pay or you're not receiving your child support on time? So these are all things that it's just life. It happens. And fortunately and unfortunately, parenting plans are presumed to be permanent. And what most people don't know is that they're very hard to change after the fact. Is that they're very hard to change after the fact. There's a legal standard in Florida which there must be a substantial, material, and unanticipated change for a parenting plan to be considered to be modified, which means that something really has to happen that you didn't anticipate that is substantial and material, right? Well, you could lose your job. That's not necessarily unanticipated. And so they're very hard to change. So you really need to think about what you're going to be doing long-term down the road. Do you see yourself relocating for a job or somebody else? What happens if your spouse loses their job? What happens if someone gets remarried? Right. And so one of the things that I see consistently in, in my DMs is, oh, my God, it's my child's birthday and I am not allowed to see my child today. This is heartbreaking. And I remember my daughter's birthday, her first birthday after I separated. I Luckily, it was my day. I was waking up with her. But my parenting plan wasn't finalized yet. And I remember saying to my attorney, oh, my God, thank God it was my day. Otherwise, I wouldn't have seen her. And it was my attorney's advice to figure out a way that we can both share her birthday with her. And that advice was so important to me because as a mom, you don't want to not be with the kid you birthed on their birthday. And so we figured out a way that we would both share the day with our daughter, even if it's uncomfortable for the both of us. It's only natural that we're going to want to be with her on her birthday. And that's something that many people don't think about when they're trying to just get through this daunting process. It's those little details. For example, holidays, they're going to say, okay, 
even years you get the holidays, odd years he gets the holidays. But then there are holidays that have more than one day or an eve and a day of Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. How can you facilitate that so that you both get a little time during the holiday? There are ways to do that and ways you're going to want to think about that long and hard before you just agree to and every other type of situation because then you're going to lose out on time you realize that you could have had and it's really hard like my husband said to make a change once this thing is finalized right so typically for christmas for example what i would do is one parent would have christmas eve from four o'clock through christmas day at two o'clock and the other parent would then start their Christmas at two o'clock. So both parents get Christmas Day, one parent gets Christmas Eve, and then the next year it switches. Some things you wanna think about is you wanna make sure that Christmas is in an odd year and Thanksgiving is in an even year. So one parent doesn't have the child both Thanksgiving really and point. Christmas, and so it has to flip-flop. That's a really good point. Right, and so these are all things that you need to think about. You know, there's going to be instances where the holidays are going to interfere with your time-sharing schedule. And so typically the holiday will trump your time-sharing schedule, so you have to plan accordingly. There are summer vacations. Typically one parent will get one or two weeks of uninterrupted time-sharing during the summer. Typically, during Christmas break, one parent will get one week of Christmas break. The other parent will get the other week of Christmas break. And, you know, none of this is in stone, but it's good to have a blueprint. It's good to have a blueprint because you can always fall back on your parenting plan. You and your spouse may get along very, very well for two years, and you're very flexible, and you're not necessarily going by your parenting plan but you're agreeing and you're modifying and you're working together and it's working out. And then something happens and you're not seeing eye to eye anymore. This is where it's great to have a parenting plan because you have a fallback. So you always know where you can go if things get hairy and you can't communicate. You have a blueprint on what you're supposed to be doing. As per the MSA, I like to say, or as per our parenting plan, whenever there's any confusion. But the whole ironic sort of mind-screwing part of creating a parenting plan, a long-term blueprint for how you'll parent your child with somebody you no longer you no longer want to be married to, is that you're often like forced to do this in the most touchy, difficult, emotionally fueled time of your divorce. And that makes agreeing on things super, super difficult. Anybody who's listening who has been through this point or is at this point now can understand. Not everybody gets along in the beginning. Some of us don't get along for years. What do you do, honey, husband, Spencer, Jet, Moltec, Judge? What do you do in the event that you just come across two parents who are just at each other's throats, they cannot agree on anything, is there like no hope or is there another option for them? So there are options. And, you know, what we call these high conflict cases where the parents can't agree uh, pre-judgment and they can't agree post-judgment, meaning after the divorce is final, they still have a very difficult time making decisions together. And sometimes the judge or even a mediator will see this coming down the road. 
there are certain people whose professions it are, are to help parents who are divorced make decisions. And these are parenting coordinators. And by statute, they're in our statute books, being there's a law that certain people can step in and be designated their responsibility to help parents make decisions and actually make some decisions for them when the court says it's appropriate. It's essentially a referee. Like, you know, okay, you feel this way, your ex feels this way. This person is just looking at everything in the best interest of the child and really knows how to quiet out the noise that is coming from the emotions or the anger or just wanting to win or just wanting to have your way. And I think it's essential. And so many times these parenting coordinators are divorce lawyers. They are therapists, they are psychologists, and they are highly trained in the divorce process and in the psychological process to help get to a resolution always with the best interest of the children in mind. And, you know, what we see in high conflict cases is parents who sometimes can't separate their, you know, vitriol, disgust, dislike for the other parents. They can't put that aside. And it winds up interfering with all their decision making. So it gets difficult and it can become difficult. And, you know, you have to really change your mindset that it's always your your child first. And sometimes it's very hard to separate that. Oh, I know. I've been there. You know, so many times you want to have the last word or you think you know best. And then you have to take a step back outside of yourself, outside of everything you went through with your ex and really just say, okay, what's going to be best for Bella at this point? What will make her the happiest? What is the healthiest decision for her? You have to give up that control that I always talk about. You have to let go of wanting to be right, which for me is super hard, but also super necessary in this situation. Somebody who is just starting this process and feels that there is not going to be any end in sight and it just seems hard, what is some advice you would give to somebody who is just starting their journey to divorce? You know, it's different for everybody. I see cases where people can get divorced in 30 days and I see cases where it takes years to get divorced. You know, divorce becomes complicated when there are children or when there's money. Both of those strike you know, very strong emotions in people. But let's talk about kids because we're talking about kids today. My best advice is to really change your mindset. And it's very hard to because it's a very painful process and things are taken personally all the time. But you always have to think about what is in the best interest of my child versus what is in my best interest if that makes sense. And it does make sense. And that's something I preach all the time because I had to learn that the hard way. I like doing things my way and having things on my time, my schedule, my routine. And that's just not feasible when your child is going back and forth between two houses. And that's something that you really have to come to terms with at the beginning of this process. The other thing I would say is if you can afford it, hire a lawyer. Court is complicated. The laws are complicated. What you may think is common sense Um, just may not be how it works in real life or in the legal world. And so it's really great to have someone who's trained in the law who understand what the judge is looking for versus what you want to tell the judge. They're very different things. 
and to be patient. Like this is a long process and it's an expensive process. So, you know, you're not going to get all of what you want right away. You may never get all of what you want. So it's a matter of being patient and it's a matter of understanding, you know, what the limitations are on what you're going to achieve out of the divorce process. To that point, I want to also make the recommendation that now's a really good time to make a list of the things. What are your must-haves out of this? What What is a non-negotiable for you in terms of the well-being of your child? And what are things that, you know, you'd fight for just because you want them? You really should prioritize before you go into this battle so you don't make a mess and drag things out longer. That's something I wish I also knew ahead of time. But hey, I am the expert in learning from my mistakes and nothing more. That's why I invite these experts on. Honey, you've been fantastic and full of knowledge. This is why this is why you're good at what you do. Are, are we done? No. Well, we're going to be done in a second. But you aren't you don't just because you're my husband, you don't get exempt from sharing a favorite quote. I mean, men can have quotes too. Okay. So, my favorite quote when it comes to probably anything is that you do not have to get into the ring every time someone wants to box or you don't have to fight every battle you are invited to. This is why he's the yin to my yang because I would fight every battle I'm invited to. Right. And I, and I don't like to fight battles. Um, (laughs) You know, I only fight when absolutely necessary, but this, you know, happens a lot in court where you're in court and you hear something Um, And it may be about a flavor ice cream that you didn't let your kid have when she was seven years old. And that story is being twisted and turned around. And you just have to tell the judge that, no, you allowed your daughter to get the chocolate ice cream. And you need to tell the judge that. And you're tugging on your lawyer's sleeve because you want to respond to what you know is totally fabricated coming from the other side of the room. Let me tell you that... Most judges don't need to hear every other side to every other thing that is spoken in court, especially when it comes to these matters that are trivial, but understandably, you know, strike a chord with you when you feel as though you have to respond. Not every battle needs to be fought. You're hearing this from a family court judge who sees battles being fought all day long, drop the little things, fight for what's most important to you. Do not worry about every little detail or you will drive yourself nuts for the remainder of your child's life and probably more than that. Right. If you're in court and you hear details that you know are incorrect and you feel as though you have to respond because the judge has to know that it wasn't Tuesday, but it was Wednesday that your ex missed the pickup. Not everything needs a response. Not every battle needs you to participate in it. That's really, really good. Because a lot of us come come out of the gate like ready to fight, ready for war. Put your egos aside. You're hearing it first from the Honorable Spencer Jet Multak presiding over... In the 11th Circuit. In the 11th Circuit. Miami-Dade County, Florida. Miami-Dade County, Florida. Family Court Division. I object. Division 17. Yes. Sustained, overruled. Guilty. He's not guilty. He's the best. Thank you guys for listening. Um, You are amazing. Thank you for all the support. I'm so glad we can go through this together and that I can help you keep it moving. Don't forget how strong you are and don't forget to lean on others for advice. And when you don't know, just ask. You're not supposed to go it alone. 
We've got you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.